0: And hey friends, you're listening to the I 61 Project podcast. A couple months ago, I had the awesome privilege of sitting down with a really good friend of mine, Andrew Gomison. He's going to tell you his story. This was spontaneous, we had no Uh, Thought of uh, recording a podcast that day. We just got together to to meet, but uh, uh, one thing led to another, and here you go. So uh, enjoy. We're here at the Wyoming Public Library for our first podcast, the first podcast of Andrew's New Ministry.
1: Any opportunity that I have to share uh, the good news of Jesus Christ um, and what he's done in my life uh, is is one that I take seriously. I want to say, first of all, that I think that I could read all the scriptures in the world, but unless you saw a practical application of it, it probably wouldn't mean that much. But as I've gone through my life and seen the Lord work, uh, He's done some mighty things, and I just want to take a few minutes to share with you. When I was um, born, I was born three months prematurely. Um, I was born in May of 1979. I wasn't supposed to show up uh, until uh, August of 79, but uh, my parents were on vacation, uh, their last vacation before becoming parents, and I guess I wanted to go on vacation too. So I uh, <laughs> took the opportunity to make my entrance into the world, and as a result of being 11 weeks premature, I uh, um, suffered uh, some trauma at birth, which caused me to uh, lose oxygen because my lungs were not fully developed, and so I, as a result, uh, was diagnosed um, at around two years old with cerebral palsy, um, which limits my ability to walk and um, limits my uh, motor skills, ability to use my hands and and my legs, but fortunately has not affected my speech um, in general and has not um, affected my mental faculties. I was able to graduate um, from Louisiana Baptist University with a bachelor's in communications in 2006 with a 3.9 grade point average. So I'm very blessed. And uh, my parents raised me in a Christian home to love and serve the Lord. Um, When I was five years old, I made the decision to follow the Lord with my life. Um, And I would like to say that uh, after that, I never had any doubts of my, about my disability, and I just uh, tiptoed through the tulips with the Lord every day from that point on, but that was not the case. Um, I actually um, struggled a lot over the next nine years, trying to find my place in the world, um, trying to figure out why the Lord would give me... Um, this uh, crippled body and then I would hear about the importance of serving the Lord and and my response to him often was um, not so much that I, that I didn't want to serve him, not so much that I couldn't serve him I don't think as much as I would always tell him well I could serve you more effectively if you had given me a healthy body and so that was always a roadblock for me um, trying to get past that and the Lord really broke through when I was about um, well first I reached a low point when I was about 13 when my brother passed away um, at three months of age he went down for a nap and never woke up and at that point he had been my parents' most healthy um, uh, child um, he was on the high percentile charts every time he went to the doctor um, in his first three months and he uh, was just the most healthy that my mom had ever had he was he was, full-term, he was her biggest baby. And so everything pointed to him being healthy, so him um, going to be going to heaven that way was just devastating because I sat back and thought, why would God take my healthy baby brother and leave myself? You know, I, I felt completely useless. How old, and how old were you? There? I was, um, at this point, I was 13, okay. and I just remember sobbing in my mom's arms and saying, Um, why didn't God take me instead of him? And, uh, we really, I mean, there really was no answers at that point. You know, I was, I was not, um, it took me, uh, three months to come out of a a deep depression as a result of his death. And then even then I was still going through that, that decade long battle with what the Lord had planned for me. And, um, so... When I was about 14, so the following summer, I went to a seminar um, called the Institute in, in Basic Life Principles, and, and some of your listeners may be familiar with it, some may not, but one of the sessions they had was, um, was the uh, session on the 10 Unchangeables of Life, and basically 10 things, I don't remember all 10, but there was like birth order and time you were born in history, and and, um, your physical makeup, among others, that we have no control over, but God does. And uh, the physical makeup thing really got to me because I had been struggling with that all my life. And it was like it came to a head, and the Lord finally said to me, He said, "Uh, Andrew, um, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you, and I say, you know, I, say, I would say things like, Lord, I, I, I've already told you, I could minister for you better if I had a healthy body, and he would say things like he said to Moses, who, who has made man's mouth, mm-hmm. Am not I the Lord, and it was at that point that um, sunshine broke through the clouds, and I realized that uh, I had a call on my life. And I made a commitment at that point that I would share Christ whenever possible. I have not always been faithful with that. Um, I'm human. So I have made mistakes in that regard. But um, the Lord has just opened, as it were, the windows of heaven and showered forth a blessing. Um, That's amazing. And he's continuing to do that. And and I'm hoping, um, I'm very hopeful for the future. And the thing is, it's, it's not a hope. Um, that maybe this will happen. It's a hope that things will happen, you know, because we know that everything that the Lord has said either has come true or will come true. So when we talk about um, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it's because we believe He will appear. And um, for those of us who are His children, um, who have a personal relationship with Him, we We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that will happen. Yes, there are some days when it's harder to believe than others, um, because in our humanity we do have, we do tend to have doubts, but ultimately the Lord is with us even through our doubts, and He has said that He will never leave us or forsake us. So I think the biggest thing that I want to leave people with is that if God can, you know, one of my favorite evangelists is David Ring and uh, he kind of is someone that I kind of want to model my own ministry after. One of his favorite things to say is, I have cerebral palsy, what's your problem? See, we all have problems, Mm -hmm. and it's just a matter of of, uh, knowing how to use them. I think I'm very fortunate to have a more obvious problem because it's easier for me to deal with. You know, some people have to do a lot of introspection before they realize what their problem is. And, and I did have to go through that introspective um, that introspective period um, where I had to figure out my inner problems. But once I did, um, my outer problems paled in comparison. Does that mean that I don't have frustrations today? No, it doesn't. I mean, it's very frustrating not to be able to drive a car, um, to have to plan my schedule around whoever can drive me somewhere. Um, it's very frustrating to... Um, not have a full-time job yet I think in some ways largely because people made assumptions about my disability that are not true but again um, I'm having more time to do ministry as a result of not having that job that I so wanted so I think that uh, the Lord knows how to work things out Um, and it's also not fun to deal with relationships you know Um, I've had a couple uh, different um, girls that I've been interested in, but I think as soon as they uh, realized that I was interested, they were kind of uh, afraid of, of what that might mean for them because of my physical limitations, and so and also um, the girl's father. I had one girl's father tell me that he didn't think that I would ever be able to provide for his daughter mm-hmm. and, and protect her, and and that kind of broke my heart. I, and I imagine. I, I, oh. I never never want anybody to be able to say that again. And. So that's, that's part of my main motivation for what I'm doing right now is, is building a ministry to where I can then say, I'm going this way. Are you willing to follow me? And that's, that's what I, I, I feel is a real responsibility for me as a man and having the passion that I do for manhood is um, something that I'm going to continue to fight for.
0: There's a couple of things I wanted um, just to let people know. Uh, through what I think you can share with them, I had written a blog post a couple weeks ago about why God, why you know, it was a it was a post on suffering and on prayer and um, and there was two things that came up in that. One was that we pray like we often pray prayers that are, and I said, perfunctory. You know, we just pray them just because that's what we are supposed to, do. not really believing that God can do what we were at what we were praying about. But you and I were at this wedding a couple weeks ago, and, and we started talking about prayer and healing and that kind of stuff too. And and you made a really a statement that really just kind of floored me. And, and I don't know if you remember what it was, but you talked about God could heal you, and we both believe that. You and I both know that he could. Um, but if God chooses not to, not to, then that's God's prerogative as well. But you said something that, that I, I loved, and you said um, one day – the. the What'd you say? The very first time that you're able to kneel, remember that, that statement you said?
1: I said. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love said, that. I know, yeah. <laughs> the very first time I'm able to kneel will probably be when I'm able to kneel before the Lord and confess Him as as Lord and Savior, um, ah, to the glory of God the Father, and and uh, I'm getting choked up here just thinking about that. So much, yeah. It's, it's it's amazing to think, and you know, I I really started thinking about that you know I have to give credit to the story of Fanny Crosby because I don't know if you know who she is but she was a prolific hymn writer and uh she wrote probably 9,000 hymns most of which uh, we probably don't know much about but uh many of our favorites um like Rescue the Perishing um and uh Many others that I'm not thinking of all of a sudden <laughs> right now. But uh, she's written many, and she's uh, trust and obey. And, oh, yeah. and um But one time a pastor came up to her. I don't know if it was her home pastor or someone else. Came up to her and said, It's a shame with all the other gifts that God gave you that he took away your sight. Because she lost her sight when she was two years old because of a doctor's error. And she said... Um, she said, you know, Pastor, I don't really feel that way. She said, because um, it's exciting to think that the first eyes that I'll see when I get my sight back are the eyes of my Savior, yeah. Jesus Christ. And, and that's really been an, an uh, uh, inspiration to me, um, uh, along with, with contemporaries like David Ring, who another one of my favorite sayings by him is, Stop asking why and start asking what. Mm. Not why did you make me this way, but what do you want me to do with it? Right. What spheres of influence are you opening up for me because, um, because I'm this way? And I think it does help me to be this way because people aren't as intimidated by me as they would be. Um, I think in my work with the mission, Guiding Light mission, um, it's helped me because people can sense when they see me some of the struggles that I've been through and so they're never going they're never going to approach me like I don't understand their struggles right so I think that really puts me in a in a very very good place and uh, I'm just upset that it took I'm just disappointed am I won't say upset but I'm disappointed that it took me uh, a nine-year journey after my salvation to come to that place and and I always tell people when I get the chance that they don't have to waste the time that I did.
0: You know, I, I, yeah, and, and I, I hear you, but I, I also think that God, there is no waste of time there. No, you know, God, I, I, God, I, God had to prepare some, some stuff. You know, I I was, thir- how old are you? You're 30? 30. 30. You're 30. So you're, you're a young puppy. <laughs> and I'm 45, and, and it took me, and you know, I didn't, I wasted 36 years. Okay? So, you've done more ministry <laughs> before I even came to the ministry. You know, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. But, um, Ivor and I, when we met you, it was at um, a chapel at the Gunning Light Mission, and you were preaching that day. And I remember Ivor and I were waiting to hear who was going to preach, and um, you uh, wheeled up in your wheelchair, and, and uh, the gentleman came over with a microphone. I remember I was holding the microphone, I think, uh, for you to preach. And you started preaching, and, and Ivor and I, as soon as you started talking, because the the the, the, the gospel just started pouring out of you in, the, in a clear concise powerful way and of course you know you say people look at you and they they make assumptions of, uh, about you based on what they see physically now all of a sudden this, these words start pouring out of you and i and I looked at each other and both of our eyes started are well, welled up <laughs> with tears you know and we started hearing the gospel i said we we're here for a particular reason today because we needed to hear andrew preach um, but then you sang that day I, remember what, I don't remember what you sang. It was a hymn. I don't remember what it was. But. I don't remember exactly what I sang. I know that I
1: uh, have it on the recording somewhere, so I could probably go back <laughs> and, and figure out um, exactly what that was. I think it might have been um, a song called Shepherd Boy by Ray Bolts. And the reason why that song resonates with me so much is it talks about one of my favorite themes of the Bible, which is that God uses useless people. And what I mean by that is that he doesn't use the people that society would say, these are this is the cream of the crop, this is who I'm going to use. He uses the people that um, people don't think he's going to use because then he gets the credit. I right. mean, who would have thought that um, a, a stammering shepherd named Moses would become the, the leader of Israel? Who would have thought that a deceiver like Jacob would, would become the founder of Israel. You know, who would have thought that um, a shepherd boy, like David, who was the youngest of his family, um, and basically, from what I've heard of of that culture, one of the reasons that he was tending the sheep is because that's kind of the job that gets passed on from person to person. As you get older, you pass it on to your younger sibling. So here he was at at the bottom of the stack, and yet, um, Samuel, God told Samuel, don't look at the outward appearance or the height of uh, their stature. Because, you know, he, he was looking at the first two sons, and he said, these must be your choice. And, and God said, you know, I rejected them because their heart isn't with me. And then he uh, chose what acts terms as a man after his own heart in David. And, um, another thing that's encouraging about David is he wasn't perfect he made a lot of mistakes, but every time he did, he was restored by God, and he was used mightily, so, um, that, that story really resonates with me, because um, I, I feel like David in a lot of respects, a lot of people don't expect much from me, um, the only people that really do, um, expect a lot from me are my parents, and I'm thankful for that, but, uh,
0: uh, you, have to be car- you have to be careful now that you're, you're, you're putting yourself there in the ministry because lots of people are going to start expecting big things from yeah, you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I,
1: I think that that's, that that's something that I've thought about a lot, and that's one of the reasons why I've been hesitant to go public with a ministry is because, number one, I know that everything I say, people are going to be judging me on its basis. Um, and in a way, that's a good thing because there's nothing better than accountability. Mm-hmm. I mean, I need to be accountable I need to know that when I think about doing something, I need to think about, well, how is this going to affect the people that are following my ministry? I mean, obviously, we need to point people to Christ overall, but I long to be in the place where Paul was, where he could say, imitate me as I also imitate Christ, mm-hmm. and that, you know, Paul is another one of my heroes. He, I want to be a modern-day Paul. If I were to sum up, my, uh, my ministry goals in one respect, it would be to be that person that's, that's able to exhort, um, the Christians to live more godly lives. Um, I think that we do need to reach out to the lost, but pardon me for saying this if it's offensive, but I almost feel like sometimes we get too evangelistic because we're so caught up in, in seeking the lost that the saved aren't growing. Mm-hmm. That we're not yes. getting the meat of the word. Um, I was just, I've, I've been in churches where they preach the gospel every single day, every single Sunday, and they don't really get into the meat of the word, and mm. that that can't happen.
0: Yeah, I was just telling my wife the other day. I said, you know, we keep we keep uh, eating baby's milk. You know, we're, we're we're not growing. We're not being fed because we are. We, we, we share the. M- I love the gospel message. I mean, the gospel message is is is, is awesome, but. There's two groups of people that are in the church there are people that need to hear the word and, and to trust Christ and there's people in the word that are in the church that have trusted Christ that need to grow in there and to, to, to start getting into the meat of the word and uh, you're right I agree with that so well
1: I don't know if you're how familiar you are with um, Charles very uh, but, but there's yeah. uh, quite
0: there's Charles
1: a couple of ministries that actually take his sermons and and read them and broadcast them so I've been listening through Spurgeon's sermons. Um, And one of the things that one ministry points out um, at the beginning of each broadcast, but it's also brought out very beautifully in all of his sermons, is that no matter what um, message he preaches, there's a message for the believer and there's a message for the lost. And that's really where we need to be. You know, the gospel is in every page of the Bible. If you really Mm -hmm. look, if you're really thinking about it, because it's one unit it's one book and it preaches the same message over and over again and and hopefully by the time you're done with it you know you you get the message but um but i definitely i mean i i feel for the lost um but i think that um we 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 like to take the place of the whole we try to take the place of the holy spirit sometimes too you know if you look at acts and you look at peter's preaching on the day of pentecost He never gives an altar call. He never calls them up and says, would you like to be saved? He preaches and the Spirit moves on them in such a way that their response, their natural response, has to be, what must we do? And
0: and 3,000 people came that day. They didn't have to, it wasn't three people. He didn't say
1: anything specific about, come up and pray this prayer. Now, I want to be careful to say that that that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I do think it's overemphasized.
0: I agree, because I think a lot of people have said the prayer... Um, with an assumption that because they said the prayer, they were saved. Um, well, um, it's I heard to it. I heard
1: one pastor, and I'm not sure if I would go as far as he did, but one speaker by the name of Paul Washer he said that he believes that the sinner's prayer is send more people to hell than we realize
0: because because they assumed there was a false assumption that they yeah, did that and they were comfortable well, in that.
1: They think that they can say the prayer and then live whatever life they want to after they say mm-hmm. it, and it's yeah. it's not about a prayer. Um, the prayer is the start of, of a changed life
0: it, it reminds me of the scripture when, when when Jesus said you know many will come to me on that day and say Lord Lord um, yeah and then, uh, what
1: look at what we've done for you but then Jesus says um, he who does the will of my father is the one right. who, who right. will be rewarded and then I think that's so important even as Christians it can be it can be easy to be doing something and then Look at the pages of scripture and say, "How can I fit a scripture in here so that I can say that it's right?" Yeah. And uh, we want to be very careful not to do that.
0: Well, we look forward to um, having you in the in the real studio. This is we're recording this at the Wyoming Public Library, in in room number three, <laughs> which is much smaller than we thought it was going to be. And and I have to and the dog dog agreed with us, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, Andrew, I I have a gift for you. Not today. I have to actually bring it. You were talking about Charles Spurgeon. I love Spurgeon, by the way, and I happened to be wandering through the uh, Baker Book House. The, the used book section back there is a tremendous resource. You'd have a field day back there. <laughs> and I went back there and I found um, Charles Spurgeon sermons, three ver- three versions of them that were published in eighteen something or other. <laughs> and um, one of those books at home, I'm going to I want to give to you because I think you would just love it. Um, Uh, you can read his sermons the the version as they really came out uh, that that
1: sounds awesome like I said I think it was a very innovative and great idea that these ministries I know of three ministries in particular um, and if people are interested in resources one of my favorite websites is um, sermonaudio.com and you can you can look up sermons by minister including Charles Spurgeon, and I think there might even be a couple others that are um, deceased right now, but their sermons are still available. Yeah, you can listen. Um, you can listen online. So, there's a lot of um, a lot of possibilities out there.
0: Yeah. Um, so. Anyway, Andrew, thank you. Thank you. I think we should close with some prayer, though. I'll let you lead.
1: Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, prompting Dave to make this recording. Lord, I don't know how um, you're going to prompt us or him to use it, but Lord, I just pray that uh, it would be a blessing to whoever um, listens to it and that uh, you would uh, bring people to you as a result of the story that has been told. Because um, it's no mistake that history is called history because it really is his story Mm, and it's it's his story in in our lives and and people who try to avoid God's impact on uh, society um, they just don't realize how true it is you know Benjamin Franklin once said that it's true that God governs in the affairs of men and and I would not be where I am right now if I didn't realize the truth of that statement and so I thank you
0: thank you Lord
1: praise you And I thank you for my friend Dave and the friendship we've been able to foster. And I hope it grows stronger and stronger as time goes on.
0: Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there you have it. It's my uh, spontaneous interview with my good friend and brother in Christ, Andrew Johnson. I hope his story has inspired you. I hope that his circumstances and what Christ has done in his life has given you hope in your circumstances. And we look forward to seeing you back here again at the I-61 Project podcast. Feel free again to visit our main site at www.i61project.org. Blessings, friend.